episode 139 of the Treaty Podcast. Here we are. We have arrived. We made it. I'm so glad you're here with me today and listening to this episode. Before I get into the introduction, I first want to share a couple of things. The first thing is a shout out to you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for putting this in your ears. And for those that take the time to send me messages, to share it on their social media, I really appreciate that because so often we put stuff out into the world like podcasts and emails and articles and all of those things as part of our marketing and as part of building our world and it's great to see that you enjoy these things and I'm looking forward to bringing more episodes down the pipeline. We have a number of great episodes coming up and I'll also be throwing a couple of cool solo episodes in there. I know a few months back I spoke a little bit about character building which is what we think of personal branding as but not just any old personal branding personal branding on steroids and I always think that's funny because I think steroids well you know like just giving it a giving it a bit of extra juice right so (laughs) because uh yeah it's it's a funny term but anyway back to that I'm going to do an episode on on that a part two episode and I've also got some great guests, including an episode where I bring back a couple of guests that I've had before and we do a bit of a state of the union of online business in 2023, which is seemingly changing month to month right now. We're only at the end of March, we're almost April, but I feel like so much has changed in those first three months. So I'm looking forward to bringing those to you. They're great conversations. Okay, so the... Sister Act, yes, I've got two guests today for you, Uh, Christy Cody and Rebecca Geraghty, and they are the creators of Design Bugs, which is a multidisciplinary design practice. They develop websites, they do copywriting, they do marketing and branding, graphic design, and they like to think of themselves as your business besties. So they've been around Newcastle for 14 years now. So they have a very well-established business. But in 2018, they got the idea to start a magazine, which I think once you hear the story, you won't be surprised that they took on this venture at a very exciting time in all of their lives and maybe the timing when you listen to the story you're like wow how did you do all of this with all of that going on but they had a lot going on and they launched Swell which is something that I probably knew of them both for before long before I got to sit down and have a conversation with them We actually connected last year at a conference, which we all spoke at. So it was really fun to reconnect and sit down and hear more of their story. Get get the the juicy goss on what it's like to be sisters running a design practice and then launching a magazine, which I think for a lot of us as creatives and certainly in this age where we have access to so many tools that allow us to create lots of different things, 
business after a while demands this injection of creativity. We want to do new things and that doesn't always have to look like starting completely new businesses or it doesn't need to look like stopping everything, burning it to the ground and starting from scratch. It can actually look like adding things to to, to your current suite of things that you do. And essentially, this is what these ladies have done, even though Swell is slightly separate from their design business, but they use all of the resources from their design business to publish a quarterly magazine. And it's a local-based magazine as well. So I think this is a really cool episode because you'll hear how they have really injected this life into their business that it's giving them so much reward it's expanded their network and it's something that you can do on a smaller scale you can do it on a bigger scale like they have done but don't be afraid to add projects like this into the mix and I think a printed magazine is pretty bold and pretty cool considering the rise of digital so I am very excited to share episode 139 with you with the beautiful Christy and Beck from Design Bugs and Swell Magazine. Welcome to the True To You podcast, your go-to show for practical wisdom to build a meaningful, creative small business. You'll find content on marketing, mindset, and tons of experts who want to help you grow a thriving small business that you love. My guests are exceptionally creative women building businesses from their zone of genius, all while balancing many other roles in their life. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. So I've got two very talented women sitting with me today, which... You know, I don't often get to interview two talented women in one room together who are also designers, which means that having a design background myself makes this a very juicy, interesting conversation. Now, I would love to start with your bit of your backstory. So you run Swell Magazine, you have your own and run Swell Magazine, which we're going to talk about, but you also have Design Bug. And Design Bug is your first baby and started around 14 or so years ago. Is that right? End of 2009, was yeah, it? Yeah, I always have to count back on the calendar, <laughs> but I'm just, yeah, about 14, yeah. 14 years ago. Yeah, yeah, that would be right. So I think let's start, Christy, because you founded Design Bug and then Beck came along a little bit later. How did, how did that all come about? Because I imagine that wasn't too long after graduating uni because we're yeah. similar age yeah yeah and um starting your own thing is is a pretty big deal even these days where we've got I mean you must look back and go well what we had back then to start a business business is nothing like what we have now like the all the online tools and social media was still very early days so let's go back to the beginning and talk me through launching that business how that went and then Beck, how you came on board. 
Yeah, absolutely. I guess ignorance is probably part of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> but also, I guess it didn't feel like a big step or a big leap at the time. Um, I was working full time straight out of university for another local company um, that did advertising and printing and loved my full-time job there. Um, I got along really well with my bosses there and they wanted to kind of train me up to take over from them at some point. And so I guess I just saw that as my vision was for a long time was staying there and doing that for them. So I guess I must have enjoyed the business side of things Mm -hmm. to even entertain um, at that point that that's where I would go. Um, I then actually had a car accident and injured myself quite badly in that. So I ended up with a chronic back injury wow. which led me to not being able to work yeah. for a good period and then I was on reduced hours only allowed to and only physically able to work a few hours a day um, so after about another six or so months of still working with that employer we had to cut ties because it just they're a small business yeah. they needed someone that could be there and I couldn't be that person for them anymore which was really sad um, And at the same time, I was having a conversation with a friend of a friend, as you do, who was working um, as a PT in Brisbane. And he actually had a client who was a graphic designer, had her own business, and they were talking and she was about to go on maternity leave and had a really big client. And she she said, do you happen to know anyone um, that could take over this client for me? And he said, well, I do, she's in Newcastle. Anyway. Basically, she reached out and we met in Brisbane and her big client was actually a bank, um, Bank South Pacific. So my very first client was a bank. Um, So that kind of just, at that point, I hadn't even probably made a very conscious decision to start a business. It was just everything sort of aligned. Um, so by that stage, I was, you know, getting a little bit further into my healing journey. I still couldn't work nine to five type hours Mm -hmm. but I just had to take breaks and set my stuff up at home and from there I joined a networking group because I was 24 none of my friends had businesses I didn't really know what I was doing other than that I knew that I could design um, what I needed to so I met a few people through that and then was like yep the rest is history we bought a we I dad (laughs) mum It's been a while, a Volkswagen Beetle, and that's really how the name came about. No strategy (laughs) involved with how I tell everybody to do it now. Um, It was literally, I was lying in an MRI machine at the time, and I was just thinking about things that represented me and what I liked, and my mum's first vehicle was a V-Dub, and I'd always wanted a V-Dub because of that. And then I was like, design, bug, V-Dub. I could buy a Volkswagen if I named it Design Bug. (laughs) Let's go with that. Great reason to name a business. I do not advise anybody uses that as a way to name their business. However, you know, when you're starting out and you're 24 and just kind of jumping at it, Mm. that's where that started. So we went and bought. 14 years later, it's still a pretty memorable name. Yeah. So went out and bought a car. And because I started with a client that was a big client that trusted me with, I had a lot of responsibility. I would get a call from the marketing manager who was also based in Brisbane. And she would say, we're jumping on a plane to Fiji. We're meeting with the CEO of the bank. We've just had this idea for a marketing campaign. Can you brand it? 
show us what the branch will look like, what advertising material look like, put that in a presentation and we'll be presenting that in eight hours. So they're the kind of then high stressful situations I was in. Um, and I guess that sort of then entered Beck. She was also living across the road from me at the time. And it got to a point where I rang Beck and I'm like, I just need your hands because I physically cannot be looking up, you know, stock libraries for photographs and putting stuff together um, at the same time as getting all of this in a document that's worthy to present to the CEO of a national bank. So Beck would run over in her pajamas at 11 o'clock at night and sit with me and just get the work done. And Beck was in her infancy, I guess, of her design degree then. Yeah, so, so Christy and I are both sisters and I'd kind of always admired all the things that she was doing um, down in Newcastle because I are originally from a little country town mm. out west called Gunnada. And I was seeing all her assignments that she'd bring home from uni when I was still in high school and then seeing how she kind of grew and became a graphic designer with another firm and then starting her own. So I was really kind of interested in that as well. So I kind of followed in her footsteps and came down to Newcastle and started uni as well. So I think it was in my first or second year um, studying when Christy would call me at midnight and all of these random hours just to get that, um, get some of those jobs across the line. But it was amazing kind of firsthand experience. Um, And when we were doing an assignment for uni and we'd have three weeks, four, four weeks to complete one brochure, I'd be like, that is child's play, guys. (laughs) (laughs) In the real world, it's a couple of hours. So it was really amazing to kind of hit the ground running. And then when I graduated, I was in the business full time and I knew it like the back of my hand as well. So. Great. Yeah. And I'm curious to know, because this is something we've had to work through in our business partnership. Did you naturally divide and conquer the work you each realized where your strengths were or did that have to evolve over time? How did that work coming in in the beginning? At the very start, I was a perfectionist (laughs) and a little bit, this is, um, I found it difficult to give work away, I guess. Um, So to start with, I would literally let Beck look up stock libraries, like do the most basic tasks. I mean, I was a student. She was a student as well, but it it took a long time for her to pry work out of my hands. Um, And then I think the biggest push was then when my now husband and I decided to go on a trip overseas and so I just had to leave the business in Beck's hands and she just did it all and because we were sisters people automatically trusted that the work that I was producing Beck would be able to do of a similar standard or I think better um but they honestly we kind of let them all know that I was going away and Beck would be looking after them and a lot of them that while I was away would still be like hi Christy and just think they were still talking yeah. to me even though we'd let it go but then I think over the we years, sound pretty similar over the phone too so we, that might have confused things yes um over the years I guess we have definitely we know where our strengths are um and, and it's kind changed of compliment. we kind of have the same tastes I would mm. say but um how we put that together and I guess Beck being younger, she probably focused on some of more of the digital things at mm. uni, which weren't so much in our course. Um, so she's taken a natu- more of a natural step into web design and things, whereas for me, I kind of always liked... And the first people I worked for was, you know, had a print business. So 
sprint, I guess, was always in my blood in yeah. that regards. And Christy too. Like, I think over the years we've changed focus on where we sit in the business as well. Like, Christy being the founder of Design Bug has always kind of taken that leadership role, I guess, and kind of helped with the general running of the business and making sure that we're all kind of happy and doing everything that we kind of need to do within our roles as well. So, and being also, we've both kind of been off on maternity leave with children and things over the years that we've had design bugs. So we've had to be pretty flexible in the roles, but I think we're in a pretty good spot at the moment with how we've kind of structured. And being a small business, at the end of the day, it's just all hands on deck. If something needs doing, nothing's kind of beneath anyone or anything like that. Yeah, I was speaking to someone about that the other day, how agility is one of my favourite leadership traits and it was something that I learnt from my retail days because you do have to be quite agile in those fast-paced environments and I think you're exactly right in a small business as much as you want to have your established roles and grow the company from those roles, sometimes you also have to be able to have an eye over different things understand different things and it can make big things like having children a bit easier going away i'm curious though to know does one of you have more of a strength with like the numbers so you're more of the operation brain and beck you know you like really creative because often there's like one that's that's more um i guess likes that systems and likes structure and then the others a little more fluid with that. Christy yeah. always yells at me that my desk is a mess. Okay. So I think <laughs> that's go, pretty that's... clear. <laughs> and looking back, you could pretty clearly see the two sides. I remember we shared a bedroom growing up yeah. and particularly our wardrobes. Mm. One side was neat and tidy and everything in its place. Bex was just thrown in there so I guess (laughs) (laughs) so probably that side of things but I can also tend to sometimes then get caught up in those things it can also be a flaw wanting everything to be you know perfect rather than just done Mm -hmm. so sometimes Beck needs to also pull me into line with stuff like that as well I also like to shoot out a great idea and then walk away and be like so guys (laughs) yeah Christy's definitely a, she comes up with the big ideas and then she's like, right, we have to do this right now. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like we've got three other things on in the pipeline. Like, let's actually make a plan for this. So I feel like we kind of cross over a little bit as well within our kind of personalities and how we, like, it's, it's a good mix, I think. That, that's funny. I'm laughing because that very much sounds like my husband and I, he's, and I, I've, have a very small interest I've only dabbled in human design and I know you had that in one of your issues once and he's a manifesting generator and I'm a generator do you know what you you yeah, are. I'm manifesting. Yeah. I haven't done it yeah. yet, actually. That was the issue that I was on maternity leave. So <laughs> I was like, oh, you could go back <laughs> and... Go yeah, back. I mean, some teams now, they're actually starting to use these sorts of profiling tools. I mean, they use all the personality profiling and mm-hmm. a lot of corporate, but now even the human design because it pulls on so many different things. And it is really helpful once you realize you're like, oh, okay, I don't have to get overwhelmed. This is just a big idea. We can work through this because I get the same. I get a bit of like the panic of, 
oh, it has to happen today. <laughs> but sometimes it's just bringing out the, the idea's just got to come out, like someone's got to hear it, and then you can. Whereas I'm like, any big idea has to. Oh, you are? Like, today. Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how well started. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's a nice segue into the magazine. Perfect. Thanks for that. So you launched Swell at the end of the first issue was the end of 2018? Yes. Yep. Yep. So when I arrived in Newcastle, we'd been going for a year. And I remember it was actually one of the first magazines that I picked up, which was pretty cool because I thought, oh, I've just moved back to Newcastle after you know, 15 years of not being here. This city is completely different. And the magazine was the perfect thing for someone who A, is like design-minded. You're like, oh, finally, Newcastle. Someone's injecting some, you know, design into, um, into like things like this. And also you're, you were very much onto like the cool cafes and restaurants and where to buy things like the retail, other creatives, which I absolutely love. So, you know, great that you went down that, that um, direction because I definitely know a lot of creatives that love the magazine for that reason. You're 16 issues down, you've just done number 17. 17. At print, you had a deadline last week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get into talking a bit about the magazine and how it came about and also the process of publishing a whole magazine alongside running another business, which is a feat in itself. I'm curious to know, how did did the magazine come to life? It sounds like it was a big idea, but was it actually something you dreamed of doing? You've got a bit of a print background, so you kind of knew what you were going to be up for um or was it a little bit of okay this is an idea that's been in the back of my mind now is the right place right time so yeah how did it come about I guess a little bit of both in the way I grew up in the era of reading dolly magazines and all of that so (laughs) magazines for me were what I would spend my pocket money on which I'd put the posters on my walls and so (laughs) I as a you know younger or still now I guess I always I wanted to work for a magazine so that was that was the dream I did Mm. my thesis um in my design degree in honors on magazine design cool not realizing that that would ever lead anywhere I actually should dig that out I'm not sure what conclusions I ended up drawing (laughs) at the end of that to be honest um but so there was something ingrained with me and then I guess my first job out of uni was in print so I've always been drawn to the medium I'm a pretty big reader yeah um so that, in a sense, I guess that's the, it's been around for a long time in that sense. The idea of us actually creating one. It's always been something that we'd really liked. And we talked about a little bit just with different kind of publications that we'd kind of dealt with through the design business where we've created ads for different clients. And we'd always been like, oh, it would be really cool if we would, you know, be able to do the whole issue like how amazing would that be but it was a random we'd gone we're at work and we'd gone to out for coffee to kind of talk about business direction and marketing and those big kind of picture things and Christy had read something in a I just yeah because I was in the early stages of pregnancy at the time and I was very ill (laughs) <laughs> so I would take myself upstairs and we were in this, these office spaces into the room upstairs on a big, 
beanbag and wanted to feel like I was still doing something. So I was reading different business books and articles and things and a line in it said, if money wasn't an issue, like how much money you make, like what would you be doing um, in your job? And straight away, like it was making magazine was my... So when we happened to then go and sit at the coffee shop um, at Momo's around the corner, we asked Beck the same question and she had a similar reply. Oh, cool. So we were like, well, why don't we? We're like, Newcastle, you know, at that point didn't have anything, anything like what we would kind of envisioned, um, being something more of a coffee table and a high, like design being a really big feature of it. So as I said, I was pregnant at the time, um, knowing that I was due in early Feb. So this conversation happened in... I think it was about June. June. Of 2018. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So by the end of that week, we had... Figured out a name. Created... Told all of our family. And created the logo. <laughs> masthead. Um, registered the name. And I guess just tried to figure out how the hell we were going to <laughs> create so a magazine. you launched, you were something like six, seven months pregnant. Yeah, yes. so we launched on 1st of November, on I a think. a 36-degree day. It In. was sweltering hot. and But it was a summer issue, so it was kind of fitting. <laughs> yeah, so I guess from the initial concept of, yep, we're going to do this, was from June and then... The magazine was at print for nearly a month, so then we launched launched on the first of November two thousand and eight. And I can vaguely remember about halfway through, we'd kind of worked it out. We were doing it. We'd talked to our photographer, and we'd got the article started, and and we were starting to get these back, and we were kind of like getting mock ups and prototypes of like what it would feel like, and we're like, it's a bit thin. Like it just doesn't right. feel like a magazine. So yeah. then we doubled it. We doubled all of the content and we're wow. like, okay, cool. So we're back to our writers, <laughs> back to figuring out what else was going to go in this issue. So as yeah, it was, we are saying Christy's definitely a kind of has an idea. It needs to be executed. I think that was one of the biggest ones that we did and did really quickly, not realizing that we had this deadline of Christy being pregnant. So we knew that we had to have our first issue out before her little boy Flynn came along, not really realizing that a magazine has to have follow-up issues so <laughs> even though she was going on maternity leave there was still a second issue that had to come out uh three months later so it was kind of an interesting that time that was a big idea that then <laughs> i just dropped on back while i went on maternity leave now we've got pictures the first issue i remember sending back a photo and i'm sitting on there editing one and i've got this big belly yeah. over the top of it and then i think the second <laughs> issue is an even bigger belly Mm. just before giving birth and then third issue I sent which only you do to your sister one of me <laughs> pumping breast milk yeah. <laughs> a baby kind of on my lap and a you know thing editing it on the um, lounge room floor so yeah that's where it began yeah. super glamorous magazine life <laughs> that we live the end product though yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah very very cool I like I like having that snapshot because I think the reality of projects like that for people, it, it can be just a bit of a pipe dream where we go, oh, this would be so cool. But yeah, the reality is like, it's, it's pretty full on, right? So when you're putting the magazine together, are we looking at like, what sort of timeline does it take to get an issue? And is it 
the last few weeks uh, that's all you're doing in, in the business or? Yeah, so I guess it's changed. I mean, there's always something happening for the magazine yeah. because now, you know, with social media and EDMs and updating websites, yeah. but the bulk of our work, I guess, for us is at the start of an issue where we'll sit around round table, brainstorm what's actually going mm. into the next issue. Um, and then it's me contacting all the people that we want to feature and kind of the admin side yeah. of it, which is, you know, it's a matter of hours, but as you know, it can go back and forth. So there's a kind of week or two at the start of an issue that's fairly intensive. Um, and then we kind of get to sit back in terms of the production of the physical magazine for a little while then, because then it's our writers are going out and doing the stories um, and we like to kind of leave them to their own devices rather than hovering while they <laughs> do that sort of thing. So they're out writing. Um, the photography then comes in kind of just after that's happened so that we can actually see what happened in the interview to know what we might want to focus on. And that's where one of us will jump back in and generally accompany the pho photographer as an assistant, as a just whatever they need mm -hmm. to be another set of hands, to talk mm -hmm. to the people and make them relax that we're featuring um, to help just in whatever way we can. And then, again, we've got this little period where we're kind of waiting for all of that to roll in. When the articles start coming in, there's we read them all and then our mum is actually the one. The editor. That yeah. edits all of... Yeah, she's an um, yeah. English teacher in her okay. past life. So she does all of the copy editing for us. Yeah. Um, and then Love really, it. the really busy time is that last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, we don't actually start designing the magazine until a fortnight before really? it's a point, really. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Because there's just too much that can change. We get another mm. advertiser come on board and then you've got to shuffle the pages or we get all the photos through from a shoot and we're like, there's too many beautiful ones. How yeah. do we get rid of those? Or, you know, a story might have been the same thing. We have an approximate limit that they kind of work towards, but then that particular interview just had so much gold mm. in it. We're like, well, no, I can't edit that out. Mm. So it's really just a waste of time for us to do... In the early days, definitely we would have pondered and done bits and pieces much earlier, but then we ended up throwing out so much of okay. it that now we just have it down and just bunker We've down. We've set our that style last. too now, so we kind of know. I mean, granted, this previous issue before that we've just sent to print, Chrissy decided at the last minute that she wanted <laughs> to have a little bit of a refresh to some of the pages. I love how you two can have these very honest conversations. <laughs> and our other staff member, Claire, she was just like, oh christy like do we really need to add something else and i was like yeah no i feel like after 15 issues we could do with a little bit of a refresh so it wasn't major stuff not everyone would have even really noticed but we did and we, we changed the major like font styles throughout <laughs> okay and we, yeah, yeah did cool. a few things so um just to keep it a little bit more relevant but um I think yeah, I was also no. just sit, I just didn't want to sit down and design like another issue that was, I don't know, it just felt like it needed to, if I was getting sick of designing it in that particular style, I'm like, surely the readers might want a little refresh uh, as well. Yes, but now we've kind of got it all in a style that it makes it, and we kind of have had a few more issues under our belt that we know that how we can kind of get it out and get it back to the printers. So. And if you do want to make any slight tweaks, like how long that's going to take and then... And now we kind of know too, like when we're designing it, like we've learned a lot of things throughout the process to be like, okay, so I love this beautiful image here. However, if an advertiser comes on board last minute, that is a spot that we mm -hmm. could put their ads. Mm -hmm. So we kind of know throughout as we're designing that while it's beautiful to have that, you know, 
advertisers also help pay for the magazine production so we need to include them if they want to be there so yeah okay got a couple of questions logistical questions did you have a big creative network starting the magazine that you drew on for the initial one or initial few uh, I was going to say episodes issues or was it a matter of finding things that you liked and kind of starting it that way how did how did that work so as far as the creatives that contribute to the magazine I'll start because I guess there's two different ways um the first phone call I made after us having this idea was to my good friend Hannah that I actually met in mother's group with our first child children um and she's a copywriter marketer and I said to her Beck and I have had this idea is this crazy would you consider writing for something like this and she was just like hell yeah do yeah. it so I can write for it <laughs> yeah. um and she was also pregnant with her second child at the time so that was number one so we knew we had at least one, one copywriter writer. <laughs> straight away um and Hannah now works internally for us as well cool. um and then we had another copywriter that we used a lot um for our design bug work so she was the second porter call mm-hmm. How did the other writers come on? We didn't have a lot of writers for the first issue. It was a lot of Hannah um, and Melinda. And then, and then Zoe, our photographer, who Zoe, I went yeah. to university with, and she had just not long moved back from San Francisco after moving away after university. And she was the next call after Hannah um, said, what do you think? And her style of photography was kind of the route we wanted to go down. And she was on board and it happened that her partner was a writer. So he was like, that's cool. I'd love to write for you. So, yeah. So I think for issue three, we had three, one, we had three writers that just divvied up all the content. And then Zoe took all the photos or we did everything else mm-hmm. internally. So that's the, like the people creative side of it. And then as far as what was in issue one... That was another one of our freakouts yeah, because risk. we <laughs> were just like, so we like everything in this magazine. Is anybody else going to? Because it was basically places we ate at, shopped at, had had dealings with. Businesses that we'd admired over the years and stuff. So, yeah, I feel like walking up, like getting ready for our launch party, we were like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> is anyone going to enjoy this, buy it, whatever, but... I mean, we're a few issues later and I think people are, so. So one thing I was thinking about when I was prepping for this interview is that I knew that both of you hadn't grown up in Newcastle, but you're very much locals now. So why, what was the, was there a gap that you saw? There was no Newcastle or no magazine showcasing Newcastle, especially the creative hospitality retail industries, which you tend to focus on in, in, in a lot of your content. I know other like personalities as well, but yeah, did you see a gap or was what prompted you to focus it on, on Newcastle and do a local magazine, yeah? yeah. Yes, uh, I guess we kind of, when we first had the idea, it was kind of in like, we just thought that maybe we should do something that was more focused on local. And then we did a bit more research Mm -hmm. into what else was around and we did feel like there was a bit of a gap. 
There's some great publications in Newcastle, but they're more focused on the quick news and um, we really wanted to produce something that was more of a, a coffee table book um, and something that was something that people would want to keep and hold on to. Um, that's why with the design that we did, we made sure that the covers were all really graphic. They weren't, um, didn't have like headlines and things all over them that are often with a lot of different publications because we wanted that kind of little bit of difference as well. Um, but yeah, I guess there, there was a bit of a, we felt like there was a gap in the market, but also we kind of wanted it to be, um, what achievable for us to kind of produce content for, um, and kind of know what we were talking about, um, and have access to lots of people who could do all of the interviews as well. But I mean, there has been a lot of publications that have been out for years and they're kind of folding now, um, like on a, on a bigger scale. So we knew that we somewhat had to niche down and make it more community focused to kind of get the Newcastle community behind us and want something that they were proud of as well, because there's huge, big magazines that aren't surviving because the digital world has kind of taken over as well. So we wanted to make sure that it was a product that we didn't have to kind of produce magazines and the cost that had to kind of be shipped all Australia wide because that's where our content was. We wanted it to be kind of hyper-focused to the Newcastle surrounding communities um, as well. But then also written in a way that most of the stories, it doesn't matter where you are sitting and reading it, it's an interesting story about a person or a business. It doesn't matter that it's Newcastle. So although it's showing off Newcastle and the talent we have here, it doesn't exclude people outside of the area reading it. Um, I'm always surprised when we get new subscribers lately. There seems to be an influx of, we've had one in Tasmania and we've got some in Perth. Like there is subscribers kind Mm. of dotted everywhere. Um, And they've said that it doesn't matter that they're not even from. Some haven't even really been to Newcastle, but it's just the connection with the people and, you know, the stories of that that makes it. And we had a really lovely message from someone who is planning to move to Newcastle, but they came across swell and they have subscribed because it makes them like feel like they're at home before they're even living here. So like, oh, that's really lovely. Yeah. It's interesting. I notice I was reading recently a few papers done by an online fashion platform called high snobriety i don't know if you've either of you have ever heard of it and they it's a lot around trends it's a lot of around street culture as well so they blend a bit of street culture hip-hop and 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 interestingly how that's also coming into a lot of luxury brands in the last particularly the last decade and I love luxury brands, but I also have an appreciation for that kind of underground design street culture. And, and what they were saying is that localization, local relevance, smaller communities is actually the way a lot of big luxury brands are now going and that they want to create micro communities because now that they're starting to tap into all of these different markets it's not just people with lots of money and look a certain way or have certain attributes but people are wanting to buy their brands all over the world and different demographics and things and so they're realizing that to create communities around some of these people's interests 
like that or whether it be more local is actually the way it's got to go, which I think is kind of interesting because you would think luxury brands would lead the way, but they're actually looking to the smaller community-based uh, things or the smaller trends, but um, yeah, kind of it's, it's flipped a little bit. And I think social media does that in some ways because it, you, it creates its own little like organ, you know, its own little like sub-communities through things like social media. And, and coming to Newcastle back in 2019, I think that was one of the biggest things I noticed. And I feel like you starting the magazine in 2018 was really good timing because you noticed particularly for me, the creative community here was way different to when I lived here prior. And so it was almost like the timing was perfect for you to bring that community together and give it a, like a platform and give it a voice. Yeah. yeah. Would you would you agree that it was quite easy? There was a lot of um, interest in that and, and people were excited by there was a lot more creatives moving here from other cities yeah. and content yeah. for the magazine was never an issue yeah. and it was never yeah. something that we were worried about in those early days and even now like we always knew that there was so many amazing people here and the the cre the creatives and just people who are doing amazing things in their businesses or just individual people like we were never worried that we'd yeah. have a shortage of stories to tell um so yeah, I definitely think that part of it's easy and exciting. <laughs> there's lots of, I mean, any business, there's hard parts to everything, but yes, I think, um, it was a really good time. And I mean, 2019, I, I can still remember at the end of 2019, I was like, I feel like swells kind of hitting its strides now. And I feel like 2020 is going to be a really <laughs> good year for us. We all know what happened in 2020. Yeah. Um, and in hindsight, it probably wasn't that big of an impact. I think people over the last few years are still looking for that community connection. Mm -hmm. And I do think that Swell has kind of helped with that um, as well. It was just obviously a lot more difficult to navigate the actual running of a magazine during a pandemic. When but you can't interview people or photograph them. Or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. Um, but, yeah, I feel like... It was good, and I and I feel like if we didn't start it when we did, we wouldn't have. Mm. Um, there would have been too many question marks over things, and we just would have said, "Oh, that was a good idea, maybe sometime in the future." But I'm so glad we did when we did. Yeah, and I think there's the cool thing is as well as when you live in a, a smaller city, you, everyone rallies behind they really get behind the people that are featured in the magazines and the and the issues and it's it's quite cool because you're like oh that's where I shop for that or that's where I um you know go for that and and I know that you you have much more of a connection or you have uh, don't really have a connection but you've always wondered what their story is and I think it's a beautiful way to bridge that gap for people because people love hearing people's stories. And because we've lived and worked in town and close proximity to t town for so long, we kind of didn't realise that 
there were so many people living in greater Newcastle or surrounds that didn't actually know all the cool places that yeah, true. are here because they've true. always put it sometimes in the too hard basket to get in here or park and things. Whereas we've just had the luxury of those places being our local haunts for so long. Um, it was kind of nice and I guess surprising when the comments, oh, I didn't know that that was in there. How long's that been in there and all of that sort of thing. So it was kind of nice to be able to let people know all the fun things that were actually happening in here if you didn't need to come in here for work mm. or play. Definitely think too, like you mentioned, like Newcastle's always been really supportive around the community. It's definitely a theme that we're seeing throughout the interviews of um, different people over the years as well. They always say like how great a community they've kind of built in Newcastle mm. and everyone is so supportive. And I think that's coming from a country, a small country town, that's why we always loved Newcastle as well because it had all of the things you needed in a, in a big city, but it was still everyone pretty much knows each other or knows of each other and are really supportive and has that kind of country vibe as well. So I guess that's why we're also pretty passionate about. Long yeah. may it last. Don't get too big, Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we want to keep that going. Okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit finally about something that interests me but also I think a lot of people would be interested in in terms of marketing and getting stockists for a magazine now you know a lot like you said a lot of magazines have gone purely online we actually had a friend started a mountain bike magazine I want to say probably around eight ten years ago now and they were print issues and then logistically too hard they were young guys financing the magazine, so they probably didn't have heaps of startup capital either. And so they eventually moved it online and it's just an online platform now, which is cool. Like I think that's how a lot of um, people have had to pivot. But one way that I think, uh, you know, one thing that that's probably tricky is that you create the magazine, you're really excited about it, and now you're like, okay, we've got to sell this, we've got to market <laughs> this, we've got, like, there's a whole other job. Yeah. And uh, get advertisers as well to be able to um, generate the cash flow to create the magazine. So I don't know if you want to speak a little bit to that process, how that has evolved over the last four and a bit, four and a bit years. Yeah. Yeah. So... I guess the distribution and how we actually got the magazine mm. into places to sell, we had no idea about. Um, we <laughs> knew we really could create that. a beautiful looking magazine. We knew how to design it yeah. and get it printed and that's where the knowledge stopped. Um, We'd spoken to our local news agent um, in the mall and he'd kind of give us, given us some advice in those early stages. then it was literally me You're on Google. Be oh, yeah. yes, we were literally on Google. How do you distribute a magazine? <laughs> like it was very much going back to... Um, and so we've got, I guess we have two distribution methods, which we still, well, two main ones for the ones that actually get sold. Um after that Google search, I found out there isn't a, like, there's no local distributors in that regard. There's kind of a few main ones that distribute the magazines for news agents Australia wide. Right. And so a part of our printing shipment goes straight to Sydney and for the news agents, they get shipped out by a distributor. Um, and yeah, there's only a handful to choose from. 
I think um, there's only one in Sydney now and one in Melbourne. Like, yeah, because our original closed. one closed and do you throughout have to COVID. Have a certain quantity in order for them to distribute? No, they've been really good. Um, I mean, probably they the wouldn't start. distribute five, but yeah, yeah, um, it's not. A... And they're really they've been really helpful too because they've taken on board an independent magazine. Um, and they were very conscious about wastage, which is something that we're really important. Um, and really like to um find important as well so like they would say okay we're just not going to ship out thousands of magazines across all of these news agents because if they don't sell Mm. they'll go straight in the bin and that's not good for your bottom line and it's not good for the the stockers and stuff as well either so in, in the environment so they're really conscious about kind of making sure that not only these areas are getting exactly what they need, but that they're selling and then they kind of increase. So it's a bit more of a conscious distribution um, that we kind of... So you can choose to just blanket. So a lot of the magazines you might see in supermarkets and things, they would just have a set amount that just gets shipped because they want the presence of being mm. seen everywhere. One might get sold, none might get sold. And regardless, the same amount of magazines will just show up. They don't up. come back to you. And they, they don't just... come back to you. You've got no choice how, what happens with those. So we wanted to, and I think they refer to it as a push-pull method. So basically they might ship to a smaller town. They might put five in their news agency. They'll see how they go for a couple of issues. If they sell the five and they want more, then they'll send a few more the next time. Or likewise, if it's not selling there, they'll pull them out of there. So we're always trying to do what we can. They do recycle the magazines, but basically it's just dead money. It's it's wastage, really. And so we really were, thought that that was a really great thing that they kind of gave us that advice in the early days as well. Um, so that's our news agency distribution. But then in terms of locally, there was a lot of groundwork that kind of got done between us, our parents. <laughs> um, our beautiful parents kind of went to every hairdresser in the Newcastle Central Coast, Port, Port Stevens, Stevens area. And wow. would kind of door knock and say, hey, there's this new magazine and my dad loves to chat. So he <laughs> would kind of bail these people up and tell them how proud he was of his daughters <laughs> and the magazine that they were creating. Um, but that was really good because we knew that we wanted to get in front of um, our so, audience yeah. where like hairdressers are huge because that is a lot of the time where our target market are sitting for a few hours at a time, semi-regularly and want something mm. tangible to read. Um, so we knew that that was a really important distribution so method. in the first the year and a half or however long we had before COVID, we had the magazine in, hairdress- in about 360 hairdressers. So on the stations where they would be sitting. And you gifted that? There was a mixture. A lot of them would be they'd sign up for a subscription and then we'd give them extra issues for depending on how many chairs were in the salon and had deals where they'd get extra copies and things like that. So we got sales out of it, but the biggest thing we wanted that was for people just to hear about it. And we did then gain a lot of actual subscriptions from people who had read one at the hairdresser Um, and lots of eyeballs because, you know, if you average how many people are sitting in that chair per day times by the amount of chairs that so that's that was the main reason we had that method um knowing that's where our clientele was as well um then in COVID they all had to be thrown out and because you weren't allowed to have that anymore but at least by that stage we did have a connection with a lot of people we got advertisers that way who saw the magazine 
And then locally, other stockers, again, back to the community thing, like people would reach out to us and be like, I've seen Swell, how can I put it in my shop? How can we kind of be involved and support you as well? So that's been pretty phenomenal. And for those ones where you still, um, our team member Sans typically, or Beck and I, depending, we hand take them out to them each time. And then we collect back. And that's the beauty of the local stockers that aren't in the news agents. There isn't the waste because if there's some they don't sell, we just bring them back here. Um, and we still sell back issues through the website or when we have sponsorships and things like that, we can give back copies to people. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it's a mix of not really knowing what we're doing and just researching to find the information, but um, and a lot then, of yeah, work. I guess then distribution in days. terms of sales is... Um, the direct sales through the website and so then there's just the marketing involved with that just through socials and we have an EDM that we send out and just little things like that Um, and then another big method that we went down was to kind of source um, partnerships partnerships and corporates that might send out regular gifts so for instance we had real estate agents who send a welcome gift when someone purchases a house so part of that would be a subscription to Swell Um, they'd get their initial copy and then so for the people arriving in a new house particularly if it was a new neighborhood or a new town for them they'd have a nice introduction to Newcastle but for the real estate agent we would then send out the next issue with a handwritten note so they were getting a little reminder just subtly show up in their mailbox um, from the agent or you know different things so it's been kind of quite strategically thinking of ways that how can we get the magazine in front of people what I'm hearing in that as well is that a you weren't afraid to get uh, quote boots on the ground and do the groundwork it's it's one of the challenges that we see a lot with working with businesses that are mostly online is that it's very hard to get them away from a screen and put their feet on the ground to even just connect with people and do what we're doing here and hear other people's stories. And so I really commend you for that and enrolling and, and your parents in that process. <laughs> oh, dad loved they it. Loved it. <laughs> and mom, like they moved here when I had my first child and retired. Um, they were both school teachers and dad is always, he was a school teacher, but obviously there's something in his blood as far as sales wanting to a sales personality at heart. <laughs> he loved it. So he would go in and do all the talking and mum just liked going for the trips because they would have said, you know, days down to the central coast and all around exploring everywhere. She'd so mum would go shopping <laughs> while dad would go in there and sell his daughters. <laughs> that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I think that's, yeah, like I say, that's, I think, for anyone, whether they've got a bricks and mortar um, business or whether they've got an online business, get out there and meet people, have conversations because people remember that. They don't remember the email unless, unless you're really witty and you can sell <laughs> through your email yeah. really well. They're not going to remember that. They're going to remember that's how we met. We were both all um, presenting at a conference. And so then you've had an experience of the person. It's easier to... Uh, take the next step so I love that and I love that you were really you got your creative brain on and you didn't you're pretty limitless with the with the ideas in terms of getting it out there thinking of the hairdressers and that might seem simple now to a lot of people hearing this but 
It's also thinking where are our clients. That's always one thing we talk about with marketing is go where your clients are, right? Or where, you're, where you think your clients might be. You might not exactly nail it. What, where do they also shop that you could then put it in? So being uh, imaginative with that is, is really cool. Is there anything that you'd love to add to the conversation as we finish up in terms of, I guess, how, you've, how the last few years have been, any advice for anyone that's thinking of adding a project like this, maybe not a magazine. You might be like, don't do it. <laughs> Unless you're totally crazy. But yeah, what, what would you say to people who are thinking, oh, it'd be cool to, to add something like this to my business, that a creative element it might be printed, it might be something else. Yeah, what would you say? I think you've really got to think about what you're passionate about because... It has not been an easy four and a half, no. five years. There's been things that have been thrown at us um, way out of sight of our control or just things we didn't think about when we first started it. But we always keep coming back to it that we're pretty passionate about what we do and it's fun um, when we get to go out and meet people and go on photo shoots and do all of the fun things that come with the business that if we didn't have that passion and we didn't get excited about that, we probably would have thrown the towel in a long time ago when it got hard. So if you're going to start something new, there is going to, it's going to be hard. There will be challenges, but if you're passionate about it, it's all worth it. And for me too, to add to that, it would just be to say yes to opportunities and put yourself out of your comfort zone. Um, I think that has been one of the greatest things from it all is the people that we've met through just going to the photo shoots, then opportunities like speaking at the conference together last year, Ruby. Um, I spoke at the Newcastle Writers Festival last year and little things that just wouldn't have come up. I've joined the Newcastle BIA and it's all just things like that where it's just say yes and have a crack because you just don't know what opportunities might come from that. Do you think it's made your partnership stronger that would be i've got two like final questions <laughs> yeah. yeah doing um, taking on this new challenge yeah we've always kind of we've... finished each other's sentences when we uh, like it's weird and now <laughs> the girls that we work with they kind of know what we're saying as well we're just like say a few random words like you know that thing that place that what we would do with it and, and they're they like oh yeah and like yeah. we'd just be talking in this random language so i think that's definitely continued let's say with yeah I don't think we well. it's necessarily made the relationship stronger just because I don't think it, 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 yeah <laughs> yeah but it hasn't weakened it I would yeah. say um I just don't think it could have necessarily I think if anything it's the babies we've added into the family that have probably strengthened if our anything we just need to kind of turn off work talk when we do That's our family right. time so which is very hard especially and when our dad's involved in the business as well and, and he's mom. like so how's this going yeah. and what's so we need to try and learn to switch it off a bit of swell talk sometimes yeah, yeah. and your passion for the business do you think adding this in has given you another I guess you, the future looks different to what it did four or five years ago, right? And so 
whether this was going to be the next iteration of the business or whether it might have looked completely different, I don't know. But I imagine that you're like, oh, okay, the, we can see like a totally different future now, which is... I mean, part of starting Swell too was always a way for us to get out our creative juices that we might not have been able to do with some of our corporate projects that we'd work on for clients. So we were our own kind of bosses and we were the ones creating the design brief as well so being able to let some of that creativity out while also using it as a bit of a marketing tool for our own business um, has been exciting so we still get clients for our design business because they've heard about us through swell whether or not it's seeing the issues out or seeing advertising in swell that we put in for design bugs so like being able to use it as a creative outlet but also a tool to market our business as well has kind of been pretty exciting and I'm it's it's good to see kind of where that will go over yeah. the next and the type years. of clients that then it brings in is obviously it's bringing in our kind of ideal clients if they've seen our design work through here they're kind of aligning with us aligning with our style and sense of community and different things so it's you know brought up some really interesting and great relationships you think your clients have gotten better or more closer to what you the types of clients that you'd want to work with in the design side of the business I think to um they already know a bit more about us before they've picked up the phone or sent us an email so the sale hasn't been as as Mm. hard to make I guess because they've either watched us for a while or have kind of seen a few of our issues of the of the magazine and they will say well if they can produce something like this they can definitely help me with my business so it's kind of been interesting in that way um but yeah I'm really glad you say that because I was just having a conversation before this with a client and I was talking about how sometimes we're reliant on just our social media visibility as our marketing and content isn't always directly marketing like it's 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 obviously something that's part of your marketing plan but I was saying to her how you you might need a way to go deep to allow your clients or people that are interested in working with you to go deeper with you and so we were talking about how um, you could write a book or you could produce a podcast or something long form we'd call it and so I think it's really cool that the magazines actually almost become that for design bug and that people like you say have had an experience of your work and a pretty intense experience like, like mm-hmm. a, a portfolio portfolio, portfolio yeah. i couldn't say that word portfolio coming out every quarter yeah. for your business almost yeah, yeah. yeah. people need a lot of touch points before they they're going to trust you i think it's seven to eight on average before they might pick up a phone or make an inquiry or feel like they trust you so for us to be able to produce, well, we're up to 17. We've got an ad in everyone. And I guess for advertisers as well, it's just another medium that's now available to them um, to show the themselves in print. And the issue that they might choose to advertise in is on the shelves for three, four months um, or in people's homes for longer. We recently did a customer survey and I can't remember off the top of my head. I should have looked before this, but... <laughs> It was up over 80% either pass it on to a friend or keep it for life. So it's that brand awareness that it's, you know, it's making its way around. Um, and then obviously 
we also present the same message over our socials and EDMs and all the other things we do and making sure that we've got those partnerships in place so that there are those touch points for people. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's touch points and sometimes that touch, well, it equals time, doesn't it? Like you say, time in people's hands in their home and that can be with one thing, it can be multiple things. So Yes, I'm really glad. And and learning more about the story. And yeah, the story behind people rather than just so that they have that element of trust. Well, Beck and Christy, I was was going to join you in that. Join I'm surprised we haven't come up with one. We need a a couple names. Beck and Christy, thank you so much for a really cool conversation. It's been great to dive deeper into your story I got a little taste of it the end of last year and I thought I've got to have these ladies on the podcast so thank you so much thanks for having us Ruby thanks Ruby